The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Well, it's my uh, privilege to... Uh, let, me, let me have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for this time of worship. We thank you for uh, this wonderful time of, of remembering the, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you uh, came on a silent night and that you pierced the darkness with light, and you came to offer us uh, forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And Lord, we remember this Christmas season that you are, are the, the God-man, that you are the God who took on flesh to, to enter into this sinful world in order to give us victory over sin and to give us eternal life. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, it's my privilege today to, uh, to uh, introduce to you uh, someone who is in the family with Claude. Uh, it's Claude's brother-in-law. And I think that's saying a lot. Uh, Claude's brother-in-law is going to be speaking today because uh, Jay Ewing Brown uh, is his name, and he invested in Claude's life. When I asked Claude who is someone who uh, was a mentor in your life and had a, a made a big impact on your life, he immediately said, oh, it's my brother-in-law. And I was like, man, brother-in-law, that's a, that's a big thing. I mean, I, usually that's the outlaw, right? Usually there's a lot of problems in in-laws, but uh, that's an awesome testimony to your family and to your love. Uh, Mr. Brown, Ewing has been uh, serving in the ministry of the gospel for over 25, I think nearly 30 years. And uh, he is now uh, living in Austin and is leading a Bible study for men, businessmen. And he also is uh, leading a teaching on the history of the leaders, le leadership history of the church. And so I'm excited to have him come. But just before he does, a brief word about uh, elders and what we're doing today. This is an ordination service. And if you look in the scriptures, you see that uh, as Paul planted churches, he went out and proclaimed the gospel. Those who believe the gospel were called out by the gospel message and called out to the gospel message. And that's the word called out ones is the Greek word ekklesia, which is where we get the word church. Uh, and then as those local churches formed, Paul sent them and said to them to uh, that, that they might go and establish order and appoint elders in every town. In every town. So this is what he says in Titus. He says, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. And then he describes what these elders should be like. He says, if anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He is not to be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable. A lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And so we as a church and as elders have voted and we recognize Claude as a man who meets these qualifications and we, as a church, are saying that we are uh, setting him apart today. When we, uh, at the end of the service, I'll give more instructions later, but we'll have Claude and his wife, Bethiah, who is uh, his strong supporter in all of this. 
they will kneel here, and we will invite at a later time those who have been ordained. And uh, we're going to also, the way we're going to do it today is invite community group leaders to come uh, and lay hands on them, uh, not praying all at once, but taking turns laying hands and praying for them. And then when they're done, that will bring our service to conclusions. But what is this all about? This is us setting them apart, acknowledging them as, as acknowledging Claude as a man of God who meets the qualifications. Uh, and we are saying that we will follow his leadership. And so I will charge him. But before I bring the charge, I'm going to ask uh, Ewing Brown to come now, Reverend Brown to come. Uh, the easiest way up to five minutes okay. here is back here. Thanks. And, uh, bring us uh, the challenge from Thank you so much, Tracy. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I think um, I've poured maybe something into Claude's life, but he equally has poured a lot into my life, so it kind of goes both ways. But uh, I'm really delighted to be here. I thank uh, Tracy for uh, inviting me here to, to actually preach a sermon, uh, as well as say some comments about Claude. But uh, I've selected a text from Paul's letters. It's First Thessalonians. And... Um, Y'all have Bibles or? Okay. So, okay. So it's going to be 1 Thessalonians 5, and it's going to be verse uh, 8 through 28. And I'm just going to read the text. Uh, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we wake or sleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. And we beseech you, brethren, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we exhort you, brethren, admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, Help the weak and be patient with them all. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophesying, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil, and may the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. And I abjure you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So uh, it's a great opportunity to really actually um, preach a, a sermon, but also to say uh, how Claude links with uh, that of the role of an elder. So it's really a delight to do that. Um, but what, where I want to focus my attention today is around a certain word, and it's the word treasure or treasury. Now, when I say that term to most of you, you would think, in monetary terms, from financial terms, land, possessions, mammon like it is used in the New Testament. And uh, that's totally legit. But I want to move your thinking a little bit to where Moses 
uh, was on the eve of when God gave him the law, he called the people God's treasured people, you know, a, a people that were called out of all the nations of the earth to be a treasured people to God. Um, so you, you might see that the meaning of treasure or treasury is a little bit broader than just the financial part of it. It has more of a meaning. Uh, when I was a student at LSU uh, many years ago, I took a, a course on Shakespeare. And in the library there, they had a reading room. And uh, I went in there and I read almost every Shakespeare play. And if you ask me today, well, you know, tell us about uh, King Lear or something like that, I wouldn't be able to tell you anything. <laughs> I've forgotten it all. But I do remember one thing is my professor quoted something that I'd never heard before. And he said um, in one of the plays, which I can't even remember, he said, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. And I just thought that was such a wise statement. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be. And I didn't even know it was a Jesus quote, but it is. It's right, it's right out of the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, but here's another example of how treasure expands or stretches beyond just the financial. Um, Paul Tillich was a liberal theologian, um, and um, he, he once spoke or wrote on the essence of Christianity, and I, I really liked what he said, and what he ended up saying, he's, he said, the essence of Christian faith, or our faith, is uh, what is ultimate in our lives, what we put all the value on, what we do and what we prize, not just what we say, but what we do and what we prize over and over in our lives. And that's what we love and treasure. That's the seed of our own life. That's where we live. And uh, I think Christ, in making this quote, is saying, uh, urging us to put the kingdom of God first in our lives, first and foremost, and then let all these other things that are important to our lives flow out of that one commitment. Like, uh, I, I don't know the missionary that just spoke, but... Meggie just came up and talked about she had gone through all her medical training, then she had gone through all the missionary stuff, and then she's heading out to Africa. And she has a commitment to Christ. She has training. She has, you know, expertise, but it's flowing out of a certain commitment. And I really think this is what it's, what's being said right here, that we should have that commitment. And that's when our faith has or takes on some fire. It's not just something we do on a, on a rote basis or not something we do on a routine basis, but it's something that has a real fire inside of us. So let me just explore this a little bit further about treasure. Treasure is like a mental storage area in your life. It's, it's where grace has been provided so God's blessings can flow within you. It's also it's been developed by times of prayer with God, intimate prayer, insights or pieces of wisdom gleaned from the passages of Scripture, or pleasurable times, meaningful times, when you've connected with the believers, the body of Christ, or maybe even remembrances, courageous moments where you've stepped out and gone beyond your comfort zone and made a difference in people's lives. All this is putting together this kind of this, this storage area, this treasure that's inside of you. And this treasure will flow out of you if you put it in you, it'll flow out of you almost unconsciously. It'll just come out. And you'll be surprised to know that the word treasury comes from the word thesaurus. That's the actual meaning of it. 
And a thesaurus, we know what it is. Thesaurus is a, a book, many words, and each word has all these nuances of meaning. So you put it all together and you have a thesaurus. So in the same way, we have an inner treasure of all these experiences and insights and places we've gone as we've, as we've sought to be with God and be God's people and really to do his will. It's that inner thesaurus that's inside of us. That's the treasure that he's talking about. So what is leadership? Well, leadership is building a storehouse of good things flowing from God into our heart and then us having the confidence to express that toward other people. I just think that's beautiful the way that's put. Uh, leadership, especially Christian leadership, must by its nature begin with a good treasure within. Now, in the rambunctious days of the 70s, um, my faith and my sister Bethiah's faith were being shaped. Uh, and I remember t attending a church in West Monroe uh, right after we had kind of had an experience of faith. And uh, there was a woman called Nora Lam. She was a Chinese woman. And she was almost executed uh, by some soldiers uh, because of her faith. But her testimony was dramatic. And it encouraged us as young believers to grow in our faith. Excuse me. And of course, she brought along with her this guy that I'd never met before. His name was Claude Bundrick. And um, he, he was in an agricultural-based bank. That was what he was doing at the time. And I had heard that this might be the guy for my sister. Well, so after this woman's testimony, um, she invited people to come forward and make a commitment to Christ. And Claude, he got up, and he went forward, and he received Christ. And I was stunned. I was just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, in my skeptical mind, I thought, well, he wants to marry my sister, and, <laughs> and he knows how important faith in Jesus is to my sister, and so he, he's coming forward. Uh, so maybe it's just a little act. <laughs> but time usually sorts things out. And I've known Claude consistently now for 40 years. I mean, that's a long time. And what he did was no act. Um, it was the first step in a long journey is what it was. It was the first step. It was genuine. It was born out of a true relationship with Jesus Christ. While Claude is self-centered, like many of us, all of us probably, um, Claude, over time, has become very pliable in the hands of God, and also now for God's purposes and to service. So I'm delighted with that. Um, he's just the real deal. You're getting a really good person to serve as an elder. And in talking with him just kind of casually about what we'll experience in the glory of eternity and how we're thankful to the purposes or the gift of Christ in our lives, he just responds with humility, deep gratitude, even tears dropping from his face. I mean, there's a real heart in Claude for the Lord. Um, but having said that, he is a bundrick. <laughs> and he's going to be plain spoken, very much like Harry Truman, if I can use Harry Truman as, a, as an example, right to the point. And sometimes it hurts because he's so, so pointed. But us Browns have learned how to accept the directness of Claude. So we love him despite. 
In the Gospels, it talks about, or it has this line, every kingdom divided against itself will not stand. You've probably heard that. Abraham Lincoln quoted it as well. And, of course, it's about a person that has become open to all evil comments, insinuations, idle deceptions, sparks of jealousy, everything creates the person's downfall. And this is what Jesus was mentioning, Beelzebub and binding the strong man in the Gospels. This was about Matthew, Matthew 12, if you want to check it out. But then he continues, and he says, he talks about a good tree and a bad tree. Um, and about that he said, he said, a tree is recognized by its fruit. And that makes sense, perfect sense to me. And then he went on to say, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, if we stuff our lives with criticism, complaints, negations, anger, jealousy, desire for murder, sexual lust, you just go on, the list goes on. Guess what comes out of your mouth? It's the same. It's just going to come out. James says the same thing, kind of, in a different way. He says you can't praise God with your mouth and then also turn around and curse your fellow human being with the same mouth. It just doesn't work. And then he says salt water can't produce fresh water. So it's what goes on inside of that heart that is so important. Um, And so he goes on to say about this, he says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored in him. You can't always believe translators. I mean, that's kind of a muddled way of saying that. Uh, Really, the way it's said is the good man brings good things out, I'm sorry, he says, the good man out of a good thesaurus, which I made reference to earlier, a good thesaurus cast out throws out, like Jesus was thrown into the desert, throws out good things. That's what a good tree is like, or a good man is like. And then he says, an evil man, says Jesus, out of an evil thesaurus, cast out, throws out evil things. It's just, I don't know, it's just simple, but it's kind of profound at the same time about how we live our lives. So leadership is about how we manage what goes into our heart. We can't manage it all, but we can be obedient to the divine call to seek the wisdom from above that is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, and full of mercy. We can do that. And that's why it's so essential that we become born from above, that the Holy Spirit is in our lives, teaching us, restraining our sinful hearts, nurturing us in faith, and also fostering an attitude of God's presence in the hard times and also in the good times. So Paul's definition nails it. Love flows out of a pure heart, a good conscience, a sincere faith, and if I might add, a good treasure, a good treasure within But that's not all there is to leadership. You know that leadership is defined as a gift. It's a gift that's given by God. Paul tells us, don't neglect the gift that is given to you by the laying on of hands of the elders. 
it's something evident by all when they see it. A person opening up scripture, teaching, watching the intersection between their teaching and their life. How that intersects together and how people serve. How they serve other people almost without effort. So this is the so this begins to look at the external side of leadership, whereas the first part was the internal side. And I want to give you a character in the Bible that I love that really reflects on this external side of leadership. And his name is Josiah. Josiah in the Bible. Josiah became king of Judah at an early age. And he assumed leadership when he was 26. And he had had a father and a grandfather that were very, well, they did evil in the sight of the Lord, says the Bible. But they ruled a combined total of 77 years. So they really messed up Judah. They introduced terrible stuff to the community of Yahweh. Shrines for male prostitutes, reestablishing child sacrifice, burning incense to Baal, to the sun and moon, to the stars above all throughout the towns of Judah. And then they erected high places dishonoring the Lord. So by the time their 77 years were over, you know, there needed to be a real revolution here. And Josiah was right there on time. When he was 26, he ordered that the temple be uh, repaired. And what they found was a book in this temple. And it was a book that had the, the, the story of Israel. Had Moses, had Joshua, had the law, had the covenant between God and his people. I mean, it was all there written in this little book. And all of a sudden, uh, Hilkiah, who was the priest, read it to Josiah. And after he did, it says he tore his robes. He tore his robes. I'm saying it very matter of fact. But it said he tore his robes. I don't want you to miss that, that concept of tearing the robes. He was grief-stricken. Grief-stricken for his grandfather. Grief-stricken for his father, for himself, and for everybody that around him. They were not following the path of the Lord and nobody was doing anything about it. And so all of a sudden, he began to reconnect. But this grief-stricken, I don't know, it's like, have you ever seen w women who are just weeping uncontrollably on the TV? And, you know, that they just they cannot believe that their children have been killed either through war or by nature. I think this is what, I think this is what Josiah was experiencing, this incredible grief for what they had not done for the Lord. So what did Josiah do in response? He began to be obedient to the words found in this book. And one notable thing he did is he made public, the public reading of Scripture. Everybody read, heard the Scripture publicly there in Judah. And then he set up Passover again, which hadn't been celebrated from the beginning of Moses' time. So he really was a leader in trying to reinstitute things. Also, all the evil infrastructure that had been put in place, he tore it down. He tore it down and tried to reconnect the path so people could follow. And this is what Scripture says about Josiah. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did. With all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his strength, in accordance with the law of Moses, he wanted to create a spiritual ascendancy in his life and work. And he was a leader, not perfect, 
but clothed with the mind to do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Now, Claude, he's a farmer. He's a farmer. We all know he's a farmer. He's a practical-based leader who solves problems, period. That's what he does. And it's etched in my mind, um, you know, from the time it happened, when Claude sought to solve the water problem in his farm. He had all these maps and these things out, showing me all these implications. You know, sometimes rain is good for a farmer, but sometimes it's too much. Sometimes it's not quite enough. And so Claude sought to, to kind of somehow augment the problem of trying, trying to provide water for his crops. And uh, so he went about doing that. And for him to do that successfully, and this was a big thing, he needed to know about structures, sowing and reaping, machines, personnel. He put all this together. I was just amazed at how effectively he could put in such a war system for his crops. But he did it. And it works today, still today. And this is just an illustration of how Claude is practical and creative in solving problems. The church is different. It's a little different. But I anticipate that he will use this storehouse of good things within that he's accumulated over time in his walk with God and this very practical, creative approach to improving the life of the church here. I think that he'll do just that. Claude has gone back and forth with me. He said, I'm not sure I'm the right person for all this. He'll say that. You, 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 know, you, you know he says that. And then he, he's ready to engage. He's ready to go forward. But he finally said to me, he says, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm just going to take it seriously. I'm just going to do it. And I think he will. He'll do it in spades with real strength. Now, I worked as a pastor in a church, and I always sought to be very competent in sermons and teachings, leading God's people, being connected with the congregation. I always wanted to identify the talents of God's people, to use it for the building up of the church. You know, all that was a part of my shtick as a pastor. Um, but I think the hardest thing for me was to learn from other people, really to listen to other people and to realize that other people have some good stuff to offer and to say. And if I can just take the time to listen to them, you know, it'll really be a positive attribute for me. But I think every person that ever leads a, a church or a congregation, they have to deal with this hard lesson of just listening. Because if they can listen with humility and trust and confidence, you know, things can really be a lot better than you trying to do everything yourself. And that was my own experience. And I think I would have also profited as a leader in the church in realizing that down in my spiritual bones, I have oversight of the souls of people that are in that congregation. Over their pilgrim walk, as well as their constant preparation for eternity. It's just awesome to consider, you know, what's there. I mean, it's all grace, of course. It's all grace, but God has human instruments given by God to support that process. So when Paul speaks of the Thessalonian church, that which I read, um, he called them as children of light to act soberly and self-controlled in their life. 
And Thessalonians was a good church. I mean, it was a good church, a model for churches in the area. But even this church needed vigilant leaders. They needed them to encourage the church, to encourage one another and to build each other up in faith. And Paul, when he describes what needs defending, he used the symbol of a breastplate and a helmet. And uh, I think it's kind of interesting because the breastplate of faith and love was a symbol of a thorax, like you know, in our body. You know, a thorax, it's an organ which, which is the, you know, the, um, uh, its walls are covered by our ribs or our ribs covered by whatever. And um, <laughs> I'm getting confused on my medical terms. But anyway, it's a principal organ of the heart. And after it flows through the lungs, it delivers to the system air. So without air, what do you do? So how important is faith and love to our spiritual system? And this is what Paul needs for the defense of the faith. And then the helmet of the hope of salvation was a symbol of something circling it around the head so as to protect it, to protect our minds and to protect our hearts. And what he was kind of leading to is a spiritual, constant spiritual transformation of our heart and mind according to God's delight. So the leader's job is to find those spiritually laden resources to give support to the faithful in heart, in mind, and in thorax, if I can use that terminology. Um, to the timid, you give them a vision of the inheritance, which is theirs. To those that are idle or distracted or undisciplined, you engage them. And for everybody, a bend over backwards patience to be patient with people. And finally, those warning in retribution demonstrate how misguided they are. So it is patently clear that Claude Bundrick can do none of these things. <laughs> but as he lives in communion with God and he hears God's heart, he can be a practical, creative leader, which God has made him to be and which he is calling him to be in this church. And I encourage this congregation to take this man and to pull out of him all these practical and creative gifts that I know is in him. And also to encourage him to open the word of God to you. To let him open the word to you. And you will listen to a drum roll of wise and helpful counsel as he does it. And as you do, and as you give him space to find his own zone for ministry, you will find him to be a treasure to this church. Amen. I'm sorry, I forgot to say a prayer. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you have given us a great inheritance in Christ. We know that we can live in faith, and we do not have to fear. But Lord, I pray for Claude Bundrick at this, on this day. I pray for all the, the things that you have put into his life, all the love and the faith and the hope that you have instilled him with for his love for the Word of God. And Lord, I pray that he could just pour this back out into this congregation. 
under the help and the support of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. At this time, I invite Claude and Bethia to please come and uh, stand with me up front down here. And uh, I would like to uh, go through some ordination vows, Claude. Uh, first of all, Bethia, I know that uh, he's the one we call the elder, but we also know that y'all are two in one flesh. And so I know what an incredible calling this is for both of you and uh, how blessed he is to have you as his strong supporter in this ministry, as he is quick to say every time it's brought up. Claude likes to deflect any attention. Anytime I talk to him about it, he's like, oh, no, I'm just a farmer. I'm just a farmer. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. So I had to push through it. And so uh, we are excited that you have chosen to embrace this challenge and this call that God has put on your life. And so um, I don't know if you want to be able to, can you see the the challenge there? Does that work for you? All right. So... uh, I uh, would like to uh, challenge you with these words, and if you would just answer after each one. Do you reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior? I do. Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be the Word of God, totally trustworthy, fully inspired by the Holy Spirit, the supreme, final, and the only infallible rule of faith and practice? I do. Do you sincerely believe the statement of faith? And covenant of this church, that they contain the truth taught in the Holy Scriptures. I do. Do you promise that if at any time you find yourself out of accord with any of these statements in the statement of faith and covenant, you will on your own initiative make known to the pastor and other elders the change which has taken place in your views and your assumption of this vow? I do. Do you subscribe to the government and discipline of Norris Ferry Community Church? I do. Do you promise to submit to your fellow elders in the Lord? I do with God's help. Have you been induced, as far as you know, uh, your own heart to accept the office of elder from the love of God and sincere desire to promote his glory in the gospel of his son? I have. Do you promise to be zealous and faithful in promoting the truths of the gospel and the purity and peace of the church whatever persecution or opposition may arise to you on that account. I do with God's help. Will you be faithful and diligent to exercise all of your duties as elder, whether personal or relative, private or public? And will you endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your manner of life and to walk with exemplary piety before this congregation? I will by the grace of God. And are you now willing to take personal responsibility In the life of this congregation as an elder to oversee the ministry and the resources of this church and to devote yourself to prayer, to the ministry of the word and the shepherding of God's flock, relying upon the grace of God in such a way that Norris Ferry Community Church and the entire church of Jesus Christ will be blessed. I am with the help of God. I invite the congregation to stand with me, please. Make your commitment vows to Claude. Do you, the members, and you can repeat after me uh, your response aloud. Do you, the members of Norris Ferry Community Church, acknowledge and publicly receive this man as an elder, as a gift of Christ to this church? Will you love him and pray for him? Will you love him and pray for him in this ministry? 
work together with humbly and cheerfully, and that by the grace of God, you may accomplish the mission of the church, giving him all due honor and support in his leadership to which the Lord has called him to the glory of honor of God. Thank you. Please be seated. I invite you two to kneel. I'll pull this out. At this time, anyone who has been ordained for the gospel ministry, either as a deacon, as a minister of the gospel, or any other way by a church, a gospel preaching church, we invite you to come. And if you're an elder, uh, a pastor, uh, a minister, a community group leader or co-leader, we invite you to come. And we're just going to spend some time uh, praying for them and their ministry uh, during this season of prayer. I invite you now to come. this time I'll invite the rest of the family, their children, their grandchildren to come, and I'll close the prayer with their family. Chris, is this mic on? No, y'all can stay. You want us to stay? No. No. Y'all come gather around and lay hands on them, and uh, y'all are a part of the big reason why we uh, uh, consider him a candidate is the legacy of faith that they have left with you, and so just join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, as instructed in Hebrews, I pray that your church will obey this leader and submit to the leaders, for they keep watch over their souls. As those who have given an account, Lord, we pray that we will remind Claude and the elders at all times that we give an account for how we care for the church's soul. I pray these men and the rest of the elders that we ordain today, that, that these men will do this job with joy and without groaning. Father, I pray with Peter, as a fellow elder, that these men shepherd the flock of God, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have them, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in their charge, but by being examples to the flock. And when you, the chief shepherd, appear, Lord, I pray that they will appear that they will receive the unfading crown of glory. I also pray that we will clothe ourselves with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. I pray we will humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time you may exalt us, casting all our anxieties upon you because you care for us. May we be sober-minded and watchful, knowing that adversary the devil prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. May we resist him, firm in our faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by our brothers all throughout the world. And after we have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called us into his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. It's to him and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.